Hi, Explorers. I'm Adriana Scori. I'm Cindy Dowsett. And I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. We are the mamas behind Kids Who Explore. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. We are honored to share the mic with adventurers from all over the world. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. John O'Sullivan is an internationally known TEDx speaker and the founder of the Changing the Game Project since 2012. He is the author of two number one best-selling books, Changing the Game and Every Moment Matters. On top of that, he is a leading youth sports blogger, a host of his own podcast, Way of Champions, former professional soccer player, and a coach and consultant for over 20 years in sports such as soccer, football, lacrosse, swimming, rugby, and more. He is a huge advocate for positive coaching, and we are excited to learn from him today. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me on. This is great. Wonderful. I know from your podcast that you like hiking, but can you tell us a little about your family and what you guys like doing together? Sure. We're a big outdoorsy family. So we live in Bend, Oregon, which is a big outdoorsy place with a ski mountain and mountain biking and camping and fishing and hiking and all those sorts of things. So yeah, we're, we're just big outdoors people. My, my wife is an avid cyclist. And um, like I said, we all ski together. Uh, last year during COVID, my daughter, who's now 15, decided to take up surfing in the river, which is a big thing here now. And so yeah, we're, we're constantly doing stuff outside. My daughter's actually on a 15 day rafting trip right now uh, through Utah. What made you move to Oregon? Was it for the outdoors or? Yeah, mountains and outdoors. Uh, I, I grew, both my wife and I grew up in the Northeast and uh, both love smaller towns and the ability to get away from it all. So uh, yeah, we, we wanted to raise our kids in a place where it wasn't just like, uh, you know, do your traditional sports, but learn how to do things that you can do for the rest of your life as well and, and raise them to appreciate the outdoors and all the opportunities that we have. So Oregon was has been a pretty good fit for the last 15 years. I love that you're raising your children that way. And from reading your books and listening to some of your podcasts, I really appreciate what you're trying to teach generations today and parents today on how we can continue to do that. Um, we often talk more about individual sports here, like hiking, biking, or skiing. So today we were really looking forward to talking to you about more group sports. Mm -hmm. Do you find the sense of competition becomes more extreme in group sports as opposed to individual? I, I think so because team sports start becoming more subjective than objective. Like if you're, if you're a runner and you're running five K's, right? Like your time is your time. 
you you can't complain that well my kid should be starting over your kid um if your kid's faster um but when you get into team sports then it becomes very subjective well i think this kid is better or not so then yeah they they become more uh competitive and they also get dragged to sort of the highest common denominator, who's the most competitive families on that team, that's where we're gonna drag the, the team to. And a lot of times for really young kids, they're all over the place in how competitive they are. And look, I, I, like, I love competitive sports. I mean, I've played them my, my whole life and um, I'm still, when I you know, play pickup or something with my kids, I, I, I still wanna win, right? I, you know, I don't want my kid talking trash to me if he beats me in golf. So, um, I'm going to try to win, but, um, it, it's just, you know, I, I do think team sports sometimes lend themselves to getting carried away too fast and individual sports, usually because there's much more of a, a space in individual sports for late developers. Like you can measure progress without winning, right? You can see yourself getting better. Whereas in soccer, your team either wins or lose. It's hard to measure your own progress. Absolutely. Right. Do you think there's an age too early for kids to be engaging in competitive sports? Well, see, it's, I mean, kids naturally, like they compete, right? Like they, they go out and for the most part, kids like they, they want to win. The problem is not during the game. It's after when the kids are like, okay, what's for lunch? And the parents are still upset that, you know, the score didn't go their way. And so I, I think it's more, the problem usually lies more with the adults than it does with the children because they kind of get it, right? So, so I always say like, just follow your, your kid's lead. And if they, if, if they don't want to talk about the game, don't talk about the game. And so, yeah, I mean, I think team sports, I, I think a mix of team sports and individual sports for, for young kids is great. Um, because there's some things that you learn about doing stuff with a group of people that you're not going to get in an individual sport all the time. Um, and individual sports teach you to take self-responsibility and things like that as well. And so I, I think a mix is, is fine, but it's really about the adults to not let it get, uh, you know, way out of hand too young. It's interesting you saying that because I just read this book called Kids These Days, and it's mm -hmm. all about how kids know how to learn and it's teachers and parents that need to learn how to teach and how to respond to them. And that's exactly what you're saying about sports too. Yeah. I mean, there's this guy, Horst Veen, who's very famous in the soccer world. Um, and, and he has this quote that I used in my last book. He says, you know, we have to stop treating kids as empty vessels needing to be filled. Right. And, and, and that they are already full and it's our job as coaches to, to draw it out of them or parents to draw it out of them. And so um, I, I think when you give kids the space to discover and be creative, you'll find that they have a lot more in them than you think. And I mean, I remember going when my kids were like, my son was like five um, to a birthday party and they decided to play soccer. Right. And the, this dad comes up to me, goes, well, you're the coach, run the party. I'm like, okay, give me the ball. And he gives me the ball and I threw the ball out. I go, there you go. Right. That, that's, that's all we have to do. They'll figure it out from here. Um, and everyone was stunned. I'm like, why do we think that we have to organize every aspect of our children's lives? Like, or that, you know, I think sometimes adults, we've almost devalued free play so much that kids are starting to devalue it. And, and it has so much benefit. And I used to run these like five-year-old soccer practices on a elementary school field. And right next to it was a playground and the kids would all get there and start climbing the jungle gym and doing all that. 
and I would just let them keep climbing. The parents would be like, you gonna start practice? I'm like, oh yeah, it started 10 minutes ago. See that? They're on the jungle gym. That's practice right now. <laughs> That's where they want to be. They'll be fine. I love that. And I love that you're bringing that up about free play because I think that that is overlooked these days and it's, it's forgotten about how much you learn just from playing and unobstructed, uninterrupted by adult play. I think it was like the mid nineties where the word play date entered the lexicon and entered the Webster's dictionary. Um, and, and this was right. A, a reflection of society where um, obviously like when I was growing up, most moms didn't work and, and now a lot of moms work. And, and so it's like, well, you have to organize your time. Uh, so you have two working parents. And so we have to organize getting the kids together. And then it became, well, if we're going to organize it, maybe we can hire someone to run it for us. And, and then you just have this slippery slope of now every minute of a kid's day gets organized for them. And yet the most extraordinary things happen when you turn off devices and say, okay, be bored, figure it out, be bored. It's okay to be bored. There's nothing wrong with being hungry and there's nothing wrong with being bored. Uh, amazing things happen in those moments. And luckily my wife and I were very aligned on that. And so my kids like to draw and read and do other things um, when, uh, when there's no friend to play with. And those moments where I turn the TV off and the kids are like, what are you doing? I'm like, you guys need to go play. And they're like, yeah. well, come play with us. And I'm like, well, actually I have some stuff to do. I want to prepare dinner. I want to work, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is that I don't, you know, obviously I love to play with my kids, but if I doing something and I'm like, you guys haven't had enough screen time. It's amazing listening to them play and the conversations they have and the stuff they talk about. I love it. And mm -hmm. I, this brings me to a quote that I read in your book that I loved and it really stu stood out for me by George Bernard Shaw. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Mm -hmm. And I love that so much because I every day tell my kids, well, I'm not the adult here. I'm a kid. <laughs> and they go, no, you're not your mom. You're a grown up." And mm -hmm. I'm like, but inside I'm still a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. And I think it's a, you know, kids, kids model what they see. And so if we are, are going out of our way to make sure that, Hey, we have passions and, and we have a, a life, then, then they see that. Right. And if we're out there and being active and doing things, then they're more likely to do it. And we don't necessarily have to cram it down their throats. Um, but if we open them up to it and then they decide, Hey, I want to ski or I want to hike or I want to bike, then it's theirs and it's their passion. And then they have the intrinsic motivation to, to learn it and, and get better. And I mean, there was, you know, like when my kids are growing up and skiing, I mean, I'm not going to say there wasn't some Saturday mornings where the kids were like, no, 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 I don't want to go ski. Um, and we're like, no, we committed to this. And so we'll, we'll finish our commitment and, and we're going to go up there. And my son was always really funny because every Saturday he would cry in the morning. And then when we pick him up in the afternoon, he'd be like, that was so awesome. It was so fun. So we started videoing him and then we would show him the video. Like, this is you last week just saying that you did like this <laughs> until the point now where he's like, come on, let's go, let's go. That is one of the best tips. We always ask parents, what do you do to motivate your kids to get outside when they're saying they don't want to go on an adventure? That, I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah, no, do. I mean, bring, bring a friend is another big one, right? Like for me, our kids never want to hike unless their friends are coming. And then we'll hike, we'll, we'll do a 10 mile thing and they'll never complain once. 
but if we did two miles, are we there yet? Absolutely. So going back to the group's words talk, when do you think we should move away from just playing or just having fun, like we're talking about, to actually breaking it up into a win or lose situation? Well, again, I, I think, I mean, games naturally keep score, but I also think that it's the adults usually put more stock in whether we won or we lost. Like kids are, you know, first of all, if you ask children, like, would you rather win three to two this week and lose three to two next week or win all your games 10 zero? The kids would be like, no, win and then lose. Like that's more exciting, right? It's not fun to win 10 nothing or lose 10 nothing. So they get it. It's the adults that want to collect all the best kids as soon as possible and, and beat everyone. And, and so keeping scores okay. Keeping standings is something that usually benefits the adults more than it does the kids. Um, the kids are, you know, usually pretty, pretty fine with that, not knowing that, you know, we're in first or second or what our ranking points are and things like that. But I, again, it's just, you know, following your kids lead on that. Some kids very early or in into that competitive thing and some come to it a little bit a little bit later. So I don't think we have to artificially constrain it. You know, I, I think when a kid steps on a field and anything, you want them to do their best and doing your best with the tools that you have in the moment, that's competing, right? That's competing. And we want people to compete. Um, and if you compete and you win, great. And if you don't, who cares? And, and, you know, I think this is an important thing, right? As adults, we get to this thing, like where we, we decide, okay, I want a sporting challenge in my life. Right. So we sign up and we say, we're going to do a marathon. Right. I've done one. I'll never do another one. Right. But I had no intention of winning. Right. The, the Ethiopian runners who won the Chicago marathon when I ran it, they were done with interviews and they had showered and they were probably on the plane back home by the time I finished, but it's still a sense of accomplishment. Right. It's still a sense of like, wow, like I trained for six months and I did something. So I think as adults, we also understand that like you don't have to win something to get great intrinsic joy and motivation. Uh, it's about getting better and improving. And, and I wish we would give our kids more space to feel that as well. Absolutely. The journey. <laughs> the journey. It sounds it's about the journey. So to, in terms of following our children's lead, what do you think parents can do in following their lead in finding out what interests them? Well, I think one of the most important things we can do is when they're really young, introduce them to different things, right? A, that, that are reasonable. Uh, and what I mean by that is we have financial constraints and we have time constraints. And if you have a couple kids, you can drive yourself nuts taking them to all these different things. But the younger they are, the easier it is to find a two-month program and not a 10-month program. And so let's say you start with soccer and they do well and they like it. Then say, you know, let's try basketball right now. And if you don't like that as much, okay, we don't have to do basketball again. And then maybe we try, uh, you know, I think every kid should do tumbling and, you know, gymnastics for non-gymnast type things. Learn to use your, your body. Um, if the family likes to bike, we put them on a bike, right? Or we go for our hikes or, or we ski or all these different things. So I, I think helping them find something that they're passionate about is really important. And, and that only comes from letting them try a couple different things. If we, if we gravitate to the first thing, they may never find the sport that's actually the best fit for them. 
you know, you might have a kid with, without a lot of fast twitch muscle fiber, soccer is probably not going to work out no matter how much they play, but, but there can be things that work out great for them. So I don't know. I, I just think the diversity and then let them find it because then when they find it and it really becomes theirs, then it's driven by them and they own it. Uh, they'll get more enjoyment and they'll get better. And, and that's, I think, the most important thing that, that we can do as, as a parent. What advice do you have for parents who have a child in a sport that that child is very passionate about, that that child really loves, but say they have a couple games or a really off season and then they just decide they're done, they're quitting, they hate it. When you know that maybe they're still actually passionate about it, what would you say to those parents? I think you try to get at the bottom of why are they walking away, right? Why are they quitting? Is it a, is it a coach thing? Is it a social dynamics of the team or is it that they just think they're, they're not good? Um, because again, we tend to like view ourselves amongst our peers, right? So the, the person at the bottom of the math class at Harvard thinks he's dumb at math when in fact, he's the dumbest of the top 0.01%, right? So he's not very, you know, he's incredibly smart. And so sometimes kids get on a team that's above their level and maybe they're the 16th best kid on it. They think, oh God, I'm just not good at soccer. And it's like, well, actually, if you were at a different team, you might be the best kid. Um, so like one of the things that I suggest is you just ask them like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, you know, where's soccer right now, right? It's a six. Oh, okay, great. Why, why isn't it a five or a four, right? Why isn't that lower? Oh, well, you know, because I like this and this about it. Okay. And why isn't it higher, right? Oh, my coach is mean or the kids in the team don't treat me well or, you know what, I just, it's so much time. I don't want to spend my time. So you can help your kid find out what they still like about it and, and, and what they don't like about it. And then figure out, well, Hey, these things that you don't like about it, we could find a different team or a different coach or, uh, or, or just take a little break. Right. I mean, I've had parents email me say, you know, my kid loved soccer so much or insert sport. And you always played in the backyard and this and that. Um, and now all of a sudden he doesn't want to play anymore. What should we do? And I, and my first thing is how old is he? And they're like nine. I'm like nine. So your kid's been playing soccer for four straight years and he's nine. How about just give him some time off? Like, that's not normal. That's not, you know, it's not normal that your kid has done that for four straight years. So maybe they just need a break. Like if I do anything for four straight, right. I, I bike in the summer and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready for ski season. <laughs> and probably a lot of kids feel pressure then too, that, say they're good at something or their parents really like that they like something that they feel like they need to continue it for those reasons rather than the intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Or parents feel like, well, Hey, we've invested a lot of money and time in this already. We don't want to stop now. Why do you think parents expect that return on investment that they don't expect in other areas of their kids' lives when it comes to sports? I don't know. I think it's because it's the only place in our kids' life where we get to watch the test. Like, I don't think you guys get to go to the math test, right? So um, so we, we get to watch our kids struggle and fail on the weekend. Um, and it's the one aspect of their life where we can see our investment paying off or, or not paying off. And so, and, and let's face it, in many places, it's expensive. Um, so it is a lot of time and it is a lot of money. But because we've started these big commitments so young, we forget that, you know, children are not they're not many adults, right? They have different social, emotional, psychological needs. And, you know, 
you four years of practicing soccer might not seem much to us four years in the life of a nine-year-old is almost half his life right so like that's a that's a lot to ask sometimes of of a child and some kids are extremely driven and motivated and and some kids want to diversify and i think we if I've learned anything in all the years of coaching and working with some really top athletes, it's that coaches and parents don't make the athletes, the, the, the athletes do themselves. They're, they're driven and they're motivated and they're willing to struggle and fall down and get back up. And parents and, and coaches, we're like the guide and we're the facilitator, and we're the general contractor. Um, but mostly we're, we're just getting out of the way and letting them pursue their stuff rather than, um, we, we don't, we don't make the kid who becomes really, really good. And there's a lot of parents out there trying to make their kid the next Tiger Woods or whatever. And it doesn't really work like that. No, absolutely. I can relate to absolutely everything you're saying here today. I'm a little distracted with Turner because he has a lot to handle right now. He's missed his nap time, but I'm actually, I used to be a high performance athlete in short track speed skating. And then I transitioned into high performance coaching. Mm -hmm. So I had a team of athletes. They were anywhere from nine to 13 years old. And I can understand everything you're saying with the parenting. It was, it was a lot to handle the parents in the situation and some of the kids losing the passion for their sport and seeing some just walk into the sport naturally and have this competitive edge. That's going to take them to the Olympics that are on that path and just trying to manage all that. So I, yeah, I can just relate to what you're saying here. And um, I think it's incredible to, to try to get your kids to lead with passion into whatever avenue that might be. And it may not even be sport. It might be something entirely different. And our kids are here to teach us something. So I think that's really cool. I just wanted yeah. to add that. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's such a you've seen it if you've coached and, and you know, it's, it's funny, like I, I've done a lot of work for the US Olympic Paralympic Committee. And I'll be in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center and I'll be eating lunch and the women's volleyball team is next to me eating lunch and they're all six, seven, right? And so when I come home and I have some parent telling me about their elite volleyball player, their elite, you know, you know, frontline or hitter, I don't even know volleyball positions, you know, whatever. And dad's 5'10 and mom's 5'8. I'm like, no, no, she's not like. She's not, she's not going to make it, you know, no offense. You just gave her the wrong genes and, and that's okay. But this is, it's not going to happen because like so many people who think their kid is great have never seen what truly great exceptional looks like. And when you see that, you're like, Whoa, that's, that's like, that's not even, we're not even in the ballpark right now. And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to convince people of that, but I, I have a lot of those, conversations sometimes with parents who have just have no idea what the top truly looks like. And it's funny because when I meet people who have been in high performance and they played at the top level, they're usually kind of mellow about it because they know how hard it is to get there. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't think my kid's going to do that. And that's okay. It's interesting that you say that. And then on your TED talks, you, you say that famous line that every caregiver should say to their child. The only line they need to say is, I love watching you play. So tying what you were just saying back into the language and how we talk to our children being so important. Can you talk a bit about how parents should be talking to their kids, especially in regards to praising their effort? Like you're saying that parents are today are thinking that their child will become the next 
you know, a big NHL hockey player or what, you know, insert sport again here. But as you're saying, you know, what there's a small percentage that actually makes it that far. So for parents listening today, what are some things that they should be talking to about their kids just to make sure that their kids are enjoying the sport? Well, I think number one, right? Sport is sport is neither fundamentally good nor bad. It, it's neutral, right? So I think this is a big myth that people are like, oh, I'm going to sign my kids up for sports because it's great for them. It's like, not really. Like in the hands of the right coach and the right organization, sport can be amazing. Um, and in the hands of the wrong person, sport can be devastating and destructive. And so, you know, I think first of all, as a parent, it's like, you know, find the right place, find something that aligns with your values and the things that, that matter to you as a family, and then allow your, your child to explore those, those things. And then, and then recognize that the things that they learn in sport, like even if you're really good, you're going to end up in the bar league eventually. Um, And so you've got two thirds, three quarters of your life after sport was it something that set you up for success in those three quarters of your life or, or set you up for, for failure? And so I think using sport for that, I think I'm a big Carol Dweck fan. So, you know, focusing on the process and the journey and, you know, so praising, you know, praising the work and praising the effort, not praising the outcome or praising the, you know, innate talent, right. You know, you scored three goals. You're so talented is very different than you've been working so hard at practice and staying after and those three goals that you scored today, that's a result, keep working hard. Those are two very different messages for a kid. One says your ability's fixed and one says it's changeable. And so, you know, loving your kids unconditionally, just letting them know that you love them no matter what. And then that frees them to pursue sport or anything at the level that they want to pursue it. And, and that's great. And we, and we put such an oversized influence to competitive sport, like activity and movement is hugely important. Competitive sport is really not that important in the grand scheme of things. So we want to raise children who move and and do things because they do better in school and health wise and all that. Um, But like playing a competitive sport, could be very good or, or, or it might not be very good. Um, I love competitive sports. My kids play it. I did. My wife was a collegiate NCAA diver. Like it's not like we don't like sports. Um, but I also meet lots of kids that it's not for them and, and that's okay too. So do you think, um, the competitive part of sports extends into nature? Like what's your opinion on, on nature activities like rock climbing or running, or do you have an example of how that could relate? I mean, obviously, we, we, we're trying to turn everything into an organized sport these days, right? So, you know, I have a, a, a girl that I coach in soccer and great family friends who's an amazing rock climber. She's incredible and one of the best in the US. And she likes the competitive part of it. But it like, and, and part of me is like, oh, that's great. But it's also okay if you just want to be a rock climber, right? Um it's also, you know, you can be a runner who does races or you just like running, you know, I've never done a mountain bike race in my life, nor would I, but like, I, I love to mountain bike and I love to spend my time doing that. So I think we, we just have to recognize that, you know, when my kids are growing up, like there was part of me was like, oh, I want you to do ski racing just because it'll make you a better skier. And neither of them ever wanted to do it. And so I'm like, okay, well, fair enough. You know, 
like I could force you to do it and drive you up here in the cold and wind every weekend and just have you miserable and then maybe hate skiing and not want to go back to the mountain. Or I could say, well, what do you want to do? And when my kids are like, we'd rather ski with you. I mean, how do you say, no, I'm not going to let you do that. So yeah, I mean, I think someone's always going to find a way to turn something into a competition, but I think a lot of the individual outdoor sports also lend themselves to just great way to spend your day with your family or your friends. I feel like we've learned so much from you today and everything that you've shared so far. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to our listeners today about the importance of, of how we change our language as well as change the game with our children. Is there anything else that you feel like you would really want to hone in on or really share with our listeners today? You know, I, I, I just always go back to, I love this idea of, I think our job as parents, I think our job as coaches is not to prepare the path for the child, but prepare the child for the path. Right. And, and so give them the the courage and the strength and the optimism and the resilience to go through the ups and downs of life and, and look at things as opportunities to learn and, and challenges and not crises and things like that. And, and if we can do that, then, you know, that's all we can ever ask of ourselves as parents. And it's not going to be perfect. Um, and we're going to mess it up and no one messes up more than I do. Um, and, you know, so then you show that little bit of vulnerability too, and say, you know, I wasn't a really good dad today, or I wasn't a really good coach for you today. And uh, I apologize for that. Yeah, there's so many takeaways from this, not just with sports, but with parenting and with the relationship you're building with your kids. So thank you for all of that. Yeah. Before we jump into our final questions, where can everyone find you to follow along? Where's the best places? Um, you know, at CTG Project HQ on Twitter and Instagram and stuff that I try to spend as little time on social media as possible. Um, changingthegameproject.com. That would be the link for all of our blogs, uh, our podcast, which is called Way of Champions. Uh, you can find that on there as well and links to any books. And of course, those are at Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all the big booksellers as well. You can find those. Wonderful. I'll link all that up in the show notes too. Thanks. All right. So we're going to end our show with our three questions. Okay. What's a piece of advice you can share to help families get outside? Just go. <laughs> Just go. Like um, I, I remember when my kids were really young, say, someone said, uh, you know, the best piece of advice teaching them to ski is that if they had their ski boots on and we were in the snow, it counted as a day of skiing. So like sometimes you just got to go and follow their, their lead. And, you know, as they're get like leave before they get tired. So they want to come back. Like the worst run is the one more run that then they're crying at the end and they don't want to come back. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, what I would say. I always say to end on a high note End on a high note. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I agree. That's perfect. What's one of your top recommendations right now? It can be anything from an idea to a product. All right. So one thing that my family did um, during COVID is uh, my friend suggested he called it the anti-talent show. And so each one of us had to pick a skill that we didn't know how to do. And then we had two weeks to learn it and demonstrate it to the family. And I've done this with my teams. Um, and it's so much fun because like, number one, when we're adults, it's really hard to remember what it was like to learn something new, right? Like when's the last time you truly learned something new? 
And so you go out there and you struggle and, um, and you just get this like great reminder, like, wow, this is what kids go through every day, all day in school and sports, everything's brand new. And so you learn something brand new. So like I learned to juggle, you know, with my hands, like tennis balls, which was super fun. Cause I'd never learned that before. And my wife wanted to learn you know, how to like do like a really loud whistle. And, uh, and, and it was great, but uh, I did this with my teens and I had kids like learning tricks on their bikes and their scooters. And one kid built a computer hard drive with his dad and four of them learned like card tricks. And it was just so cool. And, and it was also cool for them to see their, their coach struggling at something as well. So the anti-talent show. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Wow. It has been so inspiring listening to you today. Let's end with the challenge. You challenge families too? I challenge families to push back against the status quo, to really be clear on, you know, start at the end of the journey and what do you want to get out of sports and what do you want your relationship with your kids to look like when they become adults Start there and work backwards so that um, you make sure that the things that we're doing on the way to that goal uh, are all aligned and not the antithesis of it. The depth of your answers are lovely and very refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you guys. This was super fun. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms.